Let's open, uh, go to Acts chapter 4. So uh, carry on where we left off last time. So but I'll just um, read the last part of Acts chapter 4, which leads into Acts chapter 5. Um, so Acts chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 31. So Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now that doesn't mean they were filled with the Holy Ghost at that time. It's just the, the Holy Ghost in them was just stirred up, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul, Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. The apostles being eyewitnesses of um, the resurrection of uh, the Lord Jesus, and there was great power there. And it says in verse 34, Neither was there any among them that lacked, For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he has had need. So it's quite a a unique situation uh, here in the early church. Um, And it says in verse 36, And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is, being interpreted, the son of consolation. He was a Levite and of the country of Cyprus. Having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Amazing faith there from Barnabas. And then it goes into chapter 5 and verse 1, and it says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, it was not thine own, and after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours later when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. So it's quite a, 
an interesting story, a bizarre story. Um, I mean, for a start, there was a, an incredibly unique situation where people gave all they had to the apostles and then it was distributed according to everyone's need, so much so that uh, Barnabas sold his land and gave the money to be distributed to the church. Um, and then uh, these two people, Ananias and Sapphira, they also sold a possession. We don't know what it was. But they conspired together and they held back part of the land. Now, it wasn't so much the fact that they uh, held back part of the price. It's the fact that they lied to the Holy Ghost. That was the problem. Now, it took me many years in, in the Lord to realise that because it racked my brain. Uh, what's going on here? Like, and what Peter says is, look, it was in your power. When you had the land or the possession, you could have sold it or kept it or whatever. But then when it came to the point where you lied to the Holy Ghost, you could have kept a part of it yourself and just said, look, this is a part of it. This is all we're willing to give to the church at the time, and that's fine. But they outright lied. They conspired together to lie to the church. And that was the problem. They lied to the Holy Ghost. And um, Jesus said uh, that um, you can speak whatever you want against himself, but don't speak badly about the Holy Ghost. And uh, we heard testimony about the power of the Holy Spirit and how, it's all, how uh, praying in the Spirit and all these things, it's just purity. And so that's what Ananias and Sapphira did. They lied to the Holy Ghost and they suffered the consequence. Quite a few years ago, Pastor Kevin brought this passage out during a talk. And afterwards, there was someone who I was standing next to who asked Pastor Kevin if this ever happens nowadays. You know, like, and he actually said, you know, there's uh, sometimes you hear that people have been up to the wrong thing or whatever, and, and he goes, okay, I've got to follow it up, you know, as a servant of the Lord, and just come say, oh, apparently, blah, 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 blah. And, and the person mostly would say, oh, yeah, you know, it's true. Okay, then, you're out of fellowship for a bit, or you need to do this for a bit, or whatever. You can't be used in this and that. But they tell the truth, and it's fine. But sometimes you get those, he said, who just say, nah, it's all fine, no problem, and then further down the track, something happens. You know, something happens where they end up meeting an end. So uh, it's just this whole lying of the Holy Ghost. Um, that's the big thing. Um, yeah, it's just, it's something, and then it says here, great fear came upon all the church. It's like, wow, this is a powerful thing, this Holy Ghost thing. You know, and uh, God knows everything. He knows our, what's deep within our heart. He knows what we do behind closed doors. He knows what we do in darkness, in light. He knows what we think. He knows all these things. So for someone to think, like Ananias and Sapphira, to lie to the Holy Ghost... <laughs> It's, uh, it's quite, a, uh, quite a situation that someone voluntarily puts themselves in. And, and yeah, like, uh, I'm, it took a long time for me to realise the context of that, but it, it, it's really quite a remarkable thing, quite a powerful thing. Uh, and to know that, yes, if we have a desire to walk in spirit and in truth, and uh, we're part of a group of people who are walking in spirit and truth and then for whatever reason we sway and decide to do things our own way and start lying to the Holy Ghost and as people here on earth we just 
do the best we can. We flop about and it often comes to a point, okay, Lord, it's up to you. You know, <laughs> it's up to you, Lord. And, uh, and we're, even here in Bunbury, we've seen after, in the last few years uh, things where the Lord just sorts things out for us, doesn't he? And so it's a real relief. It's on the Lord's uh, shoulders that. It wasn't on Peter's shoulders. Um, it was the Lord that sorted that one out. And we go on to uh, verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they're all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And that comes up a lot. They're all with one accord. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. You know, they, uh, that was a great testimony, and that's a big part of the early church as well. And believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. So uh, this, this is a not- notable miracle, that uh, an amazing faith, uh, a faith in God on the one hand for the, uh, the people uh, as part of that early church, but also an amazing faith on those that could see that the power of the Holy Spirit was amongst these people, so much so that even the shadow of Peter passing by. And I, I, I bet like Peter was equal before God to the others in the church. Others also, you know, if their shadow passed by, someone could be healed. It's that faith in the Lord. Notable miracles, and uh, it's quite remarkable. And, and it says they're all tied up with all these miracles and the power of the Holy Spirit. It says, uh, verse 14, And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. And, uh, and that was mentioned by Pastor Michael recently about um, Phil Phillips and his healing of blindness, how that, uh, there was so much revival that came about that because uh, the power of the Holy Spirit was recognised among people uh, and just amazing miracles. And, uh, and this is what happens you know, when people are faithful and there's a unity as well, you know, they're all in one accord, all looking to the Lord, that simple faith, you get uh, these wonderful miracles that come. And, uh, and that's what we want to see. Verse 17, Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together, and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, or they, uh, they reported the situation, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow, or... Um, 
or how it will be reported among the, the public. You know, they, they didn't want this news to spread that uh, something remarkable had happened to uh, God's people. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. You know, it's just, here we go, throw it in the face. Like this incredible, they were worried about how this reputation, this word will pass around. And there they are in public already uh, before they could um, work out a solution. Verse 26. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should have been stoned, right? So there's a recognition there that the people had high regard for these people in the church. Verse 27, And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And it's interesting there. So there's two points there in verse 28. You know, fill Jerusalem with your doctrine. So you're teaching Jerusalem your doctrine. They're not learning about my doctrine. Okay, there's that competition. But then there's that second part. You, you intend to bring the blood of Jesus Christ upon us. You're accusing us for the, for the murder of this man, uh, Jesus Christ. And, uh, and they didn't like that because in their minds he was guilty. Um, he was competition and all these things, and they thought they'd done away with that. But now through the power of the Holy Spirit, there's multitudes, both men and women, who are following this new sect, as it refers to elsewhere, you know, the following of Jesus Christ, and, uh, and with power and with an amazing testimony to others in Jerusalem. And so there is a sense of jealousy, but also a sense of... Um, being right in crucifying Jesus and to have someone throw it back at them and saying, well, this man was actually the son of God, um, yeah, is turning the accusation back. But we all know that if they decided to turn from their ways, acknowledge that, hey, look, I've been following my own ways, I want to follow this Jesus Christ, uh, then they would be able to experience the same thing. Verse 29, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a saviour, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. So Peter says here, uh, in the flesh, uh, they heard Jesus' preaching in the flesh. They saw Jesus raised up and uh, covered by the clouds. We, can, we read that in Acts chapter 1. And so they says, we are his witnesses. We've seen this, but praise the Lord, the Holy Ghost is also a witness. And so us here, 2,000 years later, it was impossible for us to see it in the flesh, hear his words in the flesh, but we have the Holy Ghost in us. You know, we have the Holy Ghost that testifies and witnesses that Jesus Christ is raised up and sits on the right hand of God. 
that's amazing. We're in the same position as Suzette te- says in her testimony. Uh, she's like the other apostles, now filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, and, uh, and a witness that we have in us of, uh, of that resurrection. And verse 29 today is often twisted to people's advantage as well. It says, we ought to obey God rather than men. And uh, this was a very unique situation in the early church is that the religious leaders were trying to crush the, uh, the, the movement of the Holy Spirit amongst people. And so some modern Christians go about doing things contrary to the instruction of laws and, and uh, uh, of the land and all these things uh, because they'd rather obey God than men. And this is the wonderful thing, like uh, when you read the whole Bible and put it all into context, it says that we must submit to the powers of the land and the laws of the land. We must pay our taxes, you know, we must do these things. And especially nowadays, in the last couple of years, conspiracy theories, people protesting and all those. And there are a lot of religious people that, um, that are tied up in all that. I've said before that uh, I get emails from this person uh, I think he's based in Bunbury, but I don't know for certain. But there was a, someone responded to him last year, I think, and I got to see uh, all the people he's been sending it to. It's quite a few people that he's sending these things to, and they're all over Australia, all different sorts of Christian groups and so forth. Uh, and so um, the only reason I think he's based in Bunbury is because he refers to events that have happened here. And he believes that he's a, an end times preacher and that uh, he's fighting against the tyranny of this and uh, he's an anti-vaxxer and all these things and he'd rather obey God than men and all these, just totally taking out of context. Now, I, I mostly delete them, but uh, every now and again I'm curious, being a human being, and he does refer to Acts chapter 2 as being the start of the early church. It's just amazing. They get so close they get so close and yet take scriptures out of context. And, uh, and that's, this is one scripture that people take out of context instead of reading the whole Bible and putting it into perspective and applying it correctly. And I really praise the Lord that especially through this uh, coronavirus thing, we had a calmness, a level head. It's like, okay, whatever, it's not my problem. Uh, the government's can sort it out. We'll follow that. And uh, we'll just leave it up to the Lord. We'll just continue witnessing, continue coming to meetings, following the rules. And it's just been great. You know, uh, we haven't had to worry, but we know that uh, uh, our body uh, stays here on earth. And, um, and the vaccinations and so forth, they are in the body. They're not impacting the spirit. It's all about preservation of the Holy Spirit. And I really praise the Lord for that, especially now as we can look back on it and we're coming nearly to the end of these restrictions and stuff. So, yeah, put it all in perspective, bring it all together, and look at the whole picture. Use the whole Bible. Verse 33. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. They still wanted to end this. Uh, They felt uh, righteous indignation, I suppose you could say. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. Gamaliel, uh, Paul, 
sorry, Paul, I was going to say Peter, Paul learnt under Gamaliel. So he was quite an influential man. It says a doctor of the law, a well-learned person. I guess you could say in modern times a PhD, a a post-honourable doctorate. And um, he had that authority to put the council to silence and say, look, just push, get them out of the way. I want to confer with everyone here. I've got something important to say. And he said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves that what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Theudas, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves who were slain. And all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee, in the days of the taxing. Uh, I don't really know what the days of the taxing, but it may well be around when Jesus was born, that same taxing that brought Mary to, um, to Bethlehem and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And this wisdom of Gamaliel was brilliant. He was drawing upon our past experience. That's what experience does. uh, He'd seen two situations before, um, I I guess over a a space of quite a few years, uh, people that had followers, uh, that claim to be someone important, whether it be before God or the gods or whatever, before people, and had all these followers. And when that leader was slain or disappeared, so did the followers scatter. And um, in a way, that happened when Jesus was crucified. The followers scattered as well, but he rose again. He was alive. And, uh, and so the followers uh, were drawn to him. You know, and and uh, and Gamaliel just uses this wisdom, which is spot on. Um, that uh, this zeal in the council was to to stop this spreading of this doctrine, uh, to stop it. Like they're accusing us of uh, crucifying Jesus unjustly. They're accusing us of uh, being super protective of our control of Jerusalem. They're accusing us of these things. But Gamaliel says, look. If it's of God, you're never going to stop it. And uh, I, I just think of that scripture in uh, Esther where, um, uh, what's his, her uncle's name? Mordecai. Mordecai, thank you. Mordecai said to her, look, you may have been chosen by God for this situation. If you don't do it, he'll find someone else. <laughs> That's what God does. And, uh, and so what Gamaliel was saying is, look, if you try to stop this mob, he'll find someone else. The, uh, the will of the Lord will, get, will happen and uh, it will spread because it's the will of God. And, um, and it's a really good uh, test. And I just wonder, you know, with his wisdom, um, whether other people in the council may have stood back and thought, 
observed these things, and as it grew and grew and grew, whether some of them were actually converted as a result of that, I don't know. But uh, but yeah, to see that um, it continued to grow and prove that it was of God with power, with amazing miracles, people healed, and amazing testimony, good things, people's lives turned around. There would have been destitute people like they are today, lifted out, you know, as we uh, sang out of the miry clay, uh, people given the backhand of the world and uh, leading a, a pure and constructive life, contributing to commu- the community. And that's all part of this testimony. And I uh, just wonder if uh, other people, you know, doctors of the law, through observation, thought, wow, this is of God. And uh, uh, it's quite a remarkable time. And what we've got to remember is we live in the time of Acts now. You know, we, uh, we live in this time. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We have the witness in us that Jesus is alive today. Um, and uh, that we're a part of the movement of God. And we can see these notable miracles if we have that single-minded attitude and that unity together, that determination to say, right, okay, I'm getting there. You know, I'm uh, regardless of what people say around us or whatever, I really want to be a part of this movement and uh, be a part of the kingdom of God and, uh, and see these wonderful things. Thank you.